0: Book eleven, chapter six of Round the Block by John Balbootin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Tract. Young Van Quintem sat at the farther end of the stage, absorbed in his own thoughts. His thin lips moved restlessly at times as if he were arguing to himself. In his hand he still held the crumpled note. Twice he unfolded it and read the contents carefully, then crushed it in his hand again. Bog watched him through the window of the stage door, not looking straight at him, but with that side vision with which we trace the outline of faint comets. He was aware that young Van Quintem looked at him twice suspiciously, and then settled back into his own meditations. Bog felt safe in his disguise, or rather his original and native dress. When the stage stopped to take in or let out passengers, Bog slipped from his perch and hid himself from the driver's sight. Long experience had taught him how to render himself invisible to that vindictive personage. The stage rolled on to the Greenpoint Ferry, dropping all its passengers by the way, excepting the pursued and the pursuer. It was now evident that young Van Quintem was going to Green Point. The ferryboat was not in and would not be in and ready to leave again for ten minutes. Bog, having seen his game enter the ferry house, thereby conclusively proving his intention to cross the river, slipped into a boiler yard near the ferry. There, against a post, he scrawled with a stump of pencil on the back of two playbills, which he had brought with him for stationery. Two notes as follows. Tuesday evening, about eight o'clock. Please come to the ferry-house on the Greenpoint side, and wait there till I send for you. Bog. These notes he addressed to Mr. Van Quintem Sr. and Mrs. Krull at their residences. The next step was to find a boy to deliver them. Bog did not have to wait long for that. Boys of the ragged and city wise variety may be picked up at any corner of New York at any hour of the day or night. Another eighth street stage, which came rattling toward the ferry, brought a fine specimen of the juvenile vagrant and daredevil seated on the step. Bog looked out of the boiler yard and hailed him with a shrill whistle formed by thrusting two fingers in the mouth and blowing fiercely. The boy recognized the signal of his ragged tribe, slid off the seat, and came running to where Bog was standing. As he drew near, Bog recognized him as a trusty lad whom he had employed as file leader in a walking advertisement procession several weeks before. "'What yer want, hey?' asked this youth. "'Know me?' asked bog no ye no yer ain't one of our fellers look again bog raised his ragged cap and smoothed his hair back why it's mr bogert cuss me if it ain't just so bill i'm trying to catch a chap that owes me something you see he's in the ferry-house there waiting for the boat i'm going to follow him to Green Point and find out where he lives then I'll have him arrested. Now, there are two people I would like to have as witnesses when I track him to his house. The names are written here. And what I want of you is to deliver these notes to them as soon as you can and tell them to come right away. Will you do it, Bill? Won't I, Mr. Bogart? Just tell me the names, streets and numbers, cause I can't read handwriting very well, you know bog read the addresses and at the same time produced a quarter from his fast diminishing stock of silver take that said he no yer don't said the eccentric youth you've done some good turns to me bill fish don't forget his friends i can tell yer here goes now bill fish snatched the notes from bog's hand and ran down the street after a stage which had just left the ferry house on its dawn trip. Bog saw him seat himself on the step with his head well hid from the driver and sent a parting whistle after him to which bill Fish responded with an enormous grin and a jerk of thumb over shoulder at his natural enemy on the box. I'll give bill Fish a good job some day mused Bog. Now for the scoundrel. The boat had come in. Bog watched from his hiding-place until he saw young Van Quintum step on board and disappear in the ladies' cabin. Then he hastened to the ferry-house, paid his fare, and entered. To avoid being seen by young Van Quintum, he took a seat in that repository of stale tobacco-smoke called the Gentleman's Cabin. At the greenpoint landing, Bog watched young Van Quintem's departure from the boat, and stole out, taking the opposite side of the street. It was then quite dark, and with reasonable precaution there was no fear that the pursued would see him. The young profligate walked up the street several blocks, and turned into a side street, occupied by residences, with small shops and groceries at corners and occasionally at intervals between them. Suddenly Bog observed him looking around as if to be sure that he was not watched. Bog slipped behind a large tree. Having apparently come to the conclusion that nobody was observing him, young Van Quintem strode on rapidly a few rods farther and then made a sharp turn into a neat little millinery shop, which stood quite remote from all other places of business. When the young man's form had disappeared, Bog ran at the top of his speed to a point opposite the shop, where he could readily see what was going on within. The door was open, and a strong light from the interior shone across the street. There was no tree or awning-post or other object on the sidewalk behind which he could conceal himself exactly opposite to the shop and in the full blaze of its light was a high door shutting on a small alleyway bog tried the latch and found the door locked with instant decision he caught the top of the door and vaulted over it trusting to fortune not to be caught on the inside applying his eye to the keyhole he observed the following condition of things the shop was a milliner's beyond all question it was filled with articles of ladies wear whose names and uses were all unknown to bog while outside in the air dangled various patterns of skirts which had just then come into fashion and the public and obtrusive exhibition of which is one of the singularities of our rapid civilization Behind the counter stood one of those thin ladies who have dedicated themselves to the millinery and a single life at that distance she looked to Bog like a perfectly respectable woman with a sharp eye to business farther on toward the end of the same counter was the angel of his heart, Paddy Minford. her appearance pale and therefore more touchingly beautiful than ever threw his senses into that sweet flutter which is the proof and mystery of love he repeated the vow which she had made to himself and dreamed of fulfilling a thousand times to save her from harm at the risk of his life she was folding up articles on the counter and packing them into little boxes and did not look toward young van quintem bog thought this a good sign The young man leaned over the counter and addressed some words to her, to which her lips moved as if in reply, while her eyes were still downcast on her work. He then smoothed out the crumpled note which he had carried in his hand and placed it before her. She started in amazement as she remarked the close imitation of her handwriting, and having read it shook her head with a wondering air young van quintem's inexpressive face assumed a look of astonishment and he instantly walked to the door and peered up and down the street and opposite then he nodded to miss minford as if to excuse himself for a moment and darting out of the shop walked rapidly to the street below and then to the one above passing bog's hiding-place on that side of the street and causing that youth To remove his eye from the keyhole for fear of detection when he had made this reconnaissance and satisfied himself that there was no spy about he returned to the shop in the meantime some pantomime had been going on between miss minford and the shopwoman which bog interpreted to mean that miss minford appealed to her for protection and that the shopwoman promised it this was followed by the retiring of the young lady through a door in the rear of the shop and the locking of the door by her female friend who put the key in her pocket young van quintem came in and was surprised not to see patty the shopwoman explained with a gesture that she had gone upstairs whereon he consulted his watch and then sat down in an armchair in front of the counter as if with the determination of waiting for her bog judged from all the circumstances that miss minford would not again show herself for some time that young van quintem would wait in the hope of seeing her and that the shopwoman could be depended on as her friend to the last he therefore concluded that he might safely spend time to go to the ferry-house and procure the company of old van quintem and mrs crull who had probably reached the rendezvous watching for an opportunity when the young man's back was turned bog lightly vaulted from his hiding-place and noiselessly ran down the street end of book eleven chapter six